surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is your host, Taylor, and today's guest y'all might recognize. I'm so excited to have her on the pod and this kind of started off in an unexpected direction. So before we get started and I share this amazing interview, uh, I want to share a little bit about our guest. So Dr. Jolene Brighton is a prominent leader in women's medicine and the emerging science of post-birth control syndrome. Um, She's studied the effects of hormonal birth control on feminine health. Um, She's a fierce patient advocate and completely dedicated to uncovering the root cause of hormonal imbalances. Dr. Brighton empowers women worldwide to take control of their health and their hormones. She's an international speaker, clinical educator, medical advisor within the tech community and considered a leading authority on women's health. Uh, she's a absolute badass. Okay. She's got a book out called beyond the pill. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to have her on the pod. Um, I've followed her on Instagram. She's also highly active on TikTok. Um, but she just, I got to say, <laughs> before going into this interview, um, if this makes any sense here, I'll backtrack. So I already recorded the interview segment with her and I record this little intro separately after I've had the interview. So I'm going to just kind of share a little bit of my own reflections after this episode, um, after recording this interview with her with you now before you listen to it. (laughs) Hope that makes sense. So I got to say, going into this, I was like, yeah, okay, like she's going to be like cool, you know, and the first 15 minutes of this interview, I was just like, oh my God, can we be best friends? (laughs) Um, y'all know that I love having people, especially in the helping profession on this podcast to talk about their own personal lives as a way to like humanize them and help kind of take away this, um, third wall, right. To take away this, um, unfair, unrealistic standard that we put on helping professionals. And she just came so authentic. And right off the bat, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that I have followed you and that like you have felt so authentic online, but that all of that is just being followed through, through our initial conversation. Um, you know, sometimes you see people on social media and you're not totally sure like, oh, how are they going to show up? You know? And she was just more than what I could have hoped for. Um, so fantastic. The I could go on and on and I should probably stop and let y'all just listen to this, but I have a feeling that y'all will see Dr. Brighton on the podcast again in the future or some way through me because I am obsessed with her now. So definitely be sure to check out the episode notes description um, for all the resources where you can follow her work and uh, check out her book as well. Um, honestly, she has given out so much amazing information 
information. So much amazing information. Like time to educate yourselves on your reproductive system. Um, so be sure to check all that information out. I'm so happy to have had her on this podcast and really excited for y'all to listen to the interview. So here we go. Let's talk about it. All right. Welcome, Dr. Jolene Brighton to the show. Thank you so much for meeting with me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We just discussed a little bit uh, pre-recording that you're currently located in Puerto Rico. Um, So this, I actually hadn't really thought about this, but there's a time difference as well. So um, thank you for making the time and, and showing up here. Yeah, totally. I've been on West Coast, like, all of my life, like on, on uh, Pacific time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh yeah, we have to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And not that our listeners can see this, but your curls are also looking amazing. And this is one of the things that I do love about following you on Instagram is just that I'm like, yeah, she has curly hair. And it's just like, it feels like a little bit of representation. It feels like someone that I can like slightly, you know, kind of see myself in a little bit where I can trust that. And like, I think that's so important, especially with Within like our healthcare system, so I appreciate your 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 curly hair representation. <laughs> well, thanks for saying that. You know, I have actually been told on multiple occasions that my curly hair was unprofessional. Yeah, and that I should consider you know having it you know done a certain way. Um, even in so you know when I was in medical school, I pull, pull back my hair. Like I'm not going to do a guy exam with like full yeah. fro. Like I can go big, but I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Um, and you know, some of the attendees, they were always men. Um, so mm-hmm. not throwing men under the bus, but they were, um, would say to me, you know, like your hair is really unprofessional. Like you, you should really think about like me, you know, trying to pull it back more. And I'm like, I can't pull it back anymore, but also you didn't say anything to straight blonde hair, half up, half down, right out. Like I haven't yep. pulled all the way back, but it's just this like concept that if hair is frizzy, it's somehow mm-hmm. unruly, unprofessional, like you didn't do it. Um, we laughed on Instagram last week because I was showing people like doing curly hair is like a thing. Like it's a yeah. thing. It's a whole process. Um, I was showing people in the morning, my routine. Then I had to, I like went out and had to run an errand and I got caught in a rainstorm. So after like doing the routine, totally drenched like a dog, like, you know, when your dog's out in the rain and it's like wet hair, yep. shaking it off. Um, it, it ended up bouncing back and like being awesome. It wasn't where it started, but I appreciate mm-hmm. you saying that. Cause I explained that to my audience. Um, yeah. and it's funny because I even, I even at one point had a, a male professor say to me, like, you know, if you just consider like maybe if you can't straighten it, getting a wig or something like then like you'd be more approachable. Um, and I laugh because you'll see me rock my wigs on social media. Yeah. And it's really funny to me because the same people who would tell me, maybe it's just like, like if you don't want to ruin your hair and do the, do the work of straightening it, just get a wig. So it's like, okay, your curly hair is not professional. So we want you to get a wig that we think is professional and like acceptable. And I just went with like, well, then I'm going to just wear a green wig and a purple yeah. wig. And, like, and, so, yeah. and then people are like, no, you can wear a wig, but not that color wig. I'm like, oh, I hate to break it to you, but like, this is my life. I get to do whatever I want. I get one shot, one yeah. rodeo here to like, to ride that bull, like the full eight mm-hmm. seconds. I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like approachable to who? Like right? get a wig so that you can be more approachable to who? Yeah. So who is that making you more approachable to? Yeah. I mean, I've just, and I think that it, this is something that like 
you get really good at like, you know, code switching, like as yeah. it gets called of like, okay, I can fit in this time, this place, this mm-hmm. like demographic and like, no, I won't stand out. My hair makes yeah. me stand out. The way I look makes me stand out, but I can perform in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, I've just really come to settle in with like, this is who I am. You can take yeah. it or leave it. Like I'm not for everyone and, and that's okay. Like mm-hmm. we don't have to be for everyone. The right people will find me. Um, yeah. And I actually, you know, had to address this on my social media. It was like, look, if you're sliding into my DMs saying, I want all the information you offer. I just don't want you. Like, you're not going to get it. Like, you're not going to get like, they're like, can you just do graphics and and it not be you? And like, maybe tone it down. I'm like, dude, I've been told to tone it down my whole life. Like, (laughs) no, I'm done with that. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. I mean, I kind of went through something similar just with like finding my own identity as a therapist, right? Of like, okay, usually I felt like I had to be professional, had to have my hair straight, had to, you know, switch it up a bit. Um, And now I have reached that place of like, I'm going to show up as me and the right people who want to work with me, if it's on social media, the people that want to follow me are going to find me, right? And like, I would rather show up authentically and rub some feathers the wrong way and slowly reach a place where I am developing a community and, and reaching a client base that feels in alignment with me. Um, Mm -hmm. that that feels way more important than putting on this fake mask and like trying to make other people feel more comfortable around me while in turn suppressing myself and making myself feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah. I think that's really unfortunate. I think there's so much pressure to do that for women in general, but especially uh, non-white women as well. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a short break right here. I want to share with you all a little bit of like my past reproductive experiences in terms of birth control. Uh, I know on here I've talked about birth control in the past. I've talked about emergency contraception and we talk a lot about sex. Uh, And for those of you who are very dedicated listeners, uh, you might remember that I was on the pill from 15 to 21 and stopped at 21 and I'm now 27. So I've been off of it for several years and I've tried something new that is actually incredibly helpful. It feels incredibly efficient and is very informative. I'm not sure if y'all have heard of them. Uh, They're called Natural Cycles and I'm very excited that uh, they're sponsoring this right now. So one of the things I was super, super absolutely excited and surprised and just amazed by and excited about was that Natural Cycles is the first and only FDA cleared birth control app. And when I first stopped taking birth control, I would like track it. And so I would use these other birth control apps that like didn't really tell me anything. (laughs) Um, It just kind of estimated, but like Natural Cycles is very, very different from that. <laughs> um, so there's only certain days of the month that you're fertile and that you can get pregnant. So uh, the app is powered by an algorithm that is able to identify your daily fertility based on your basal body temperature. So essentially you take your temperature every morning, um, it measures it, you log it in there. And then uh, natural cycles will give you a red or green day depending on if you're fertile and can or can't get pregnant. Um, And this actually also changes based on if you are 
seeking to get pregnant, if you are trying to not get pregnant, or if you want to just track your pregnancy in general. But you can also track your, your moods, your cervical mucus, um, like how juicy you are. You can track your sex drive uh, all right from within the app. Um, and there's like a key link between fertility and body temperature that I wasn't super aware of. So like all these other, <laughs> these other apps that I was using definitely weren't as efficient because it was just kind of taking it based off of what I, what I would log. Um, but with natural cycles, it actually connects that. Um, and there's a noticeable rise in body temperature uh, right after ovulation happens in the menstrual cycle. So definitely, definitely pretty freaking effective, y'all. <laughs> uh, when using a birth control method, it's important to understand how effective it is, right? And there's no birth control method that's 100% effective. But when used perfectly, natural cycles is 98% effective. Perfect means not having unprotected sex uh, on red days. Um, and natural cycles is 93% effective with typical use, which accounts for all possible reasons. Uh, but... I've really, I'm so excited to have found them and I'm super, super pumped to partner with them and um, have them as a sponsor here on the podcast. Again, it's very important to remember that there are many options for contraception on the market and everyone is going to have different needs. Um, Therefore, you got to remember that you got a choice in this and how you want to go about your own birth control method, your preventative measures, you know, that's all up to you. So... There's no one size fits all, but I will definitely highly, highly recommend Natural Cycles. Uh, users must be over the age of 18. And a reminder, it does not protect against STIs. Only barrier methods such as condoms prevent STIs. So this has been fantastically, super happily sponsored by Natural Cycles, y'all. Can we get some snaps? I'm very excited about this. Uh, So I hope that y'all check them out. You can use my code Taylor at naturalcycles.com or check out the link below to get 20% off your annual Natural Cycles subscription and a free thermometer. So the link uh, for this will be listed in the episode notes. So be sure to check it out. Again, that's Taylor, the code Taylor at naturalcycles.com for 20% off your annual Natural Cycles subscription and free thermometer. Let's get it going. Let's start taking them temps. We know most of us are taking our temperature these days anyway, at least maybe maybe just me. I'm a hypochondriac, but <laughs> this has been super helpful and I've loved, loved, loved using them and I really, really encourage y'all to give them a try. So with all of this said, we can now get right back onto the show. It's kind of funny. We had just finished doing a biracial series um, a few weeks back and um, talked about the professional hair and talked about code switching and all of this. Um, So yeah, funny to see where this is just like, it's always an ongoing, it's an ongoing thing. (laughs) Well, and you raise an interesting point because for us as women of color, it is always part of the conversation. It is part of our daily life. And yet I see people now that are like, you don't always have to be bringing this up or like, oh, like, didn't we talk about this already? And it's like, okay, for you, it's not a thing, but for me, it's a thing. Mm And, um, you know, something I want to recognize. So in Beyond the Pale, I put a, uh, one of the dedications is for every woman who went before us to show us that there was another way. 
and mm-hmm. we could see what was going on. You know, the birth control pill is here because of the exploitation of brown bodies. And yep. there are women who died whose lives were never honored in that. Mm-hmm. Sweeping it under the rug and acting like that never happened is so disrespectful of, the, of, those, of those women. And some of them are still alive today and know mm-hmm. very much what happened. But it's also to recognize that, like, you and I even being able to be comfortable. So I'm third-generation immigrant. I was not taught Spanish, and I was not taught Spanish because that was a gift. So I get people who judge me for this. I get people who are like, you don't even know Spanish. And I'm like, I am working on it, okay? And I can actually get by in Puerto Rico. But it was a gift that I didn't know Spanish, and I didn't have a Spanish accent because then I could blend in better. Then I was less likely to stand out, and I would stand a better chance. Look at me. I'm a doctor now. Like, that was part of it. And so to just recognize that, like, even our ability – to talk freely, to be ourselves freely, to have curly hair. I mean, mm-hmm. these are things that, you know, we could take for granted if we didn't really reflect that just a generation ago, this wasn't even a, a thing that was culturally acceptable. Not like, oh, it wasn't culturally appropriate or people didn't appreciate it. It was like, it was unacceptable to show yeah. up in that way and it would cause you harm. And so just mm-hmm. to like show respect and really honor that like, what we enjoy right now and we are working and we are fighting for that next generation too. But what we enjoy right now is because of what our ancestors fought for. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so sad that it's like, damn, the power of white supremacy is so, so real. Um, you know, the fact that, that these things are like gifts, right? Like even in the biracial series too, we talked about like, uh, light skin privilege, right. And being like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I can acknowledge that. Like I can, you know, maybe have a, a leg up in getting ahead because white people feel more comfortable around me than if I were a darker skinned biracial person. Um, but like, even the fa- like the only reason that that's a privilege or a gift is because of white supremacy, which like just it, it's so yeah. icky and it's so unfortunate. Um, so I and- had to look this up, this term white passing, because yeah. I had never been called this until the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. I'm like, why have I never heard this in, in my life? And people yeah. are like, oh, you're white passing. You don't, and I'm mixed. I'm not like 100% Mexican, but mm-hmm. like, and, and like Mexican, indigenous, Irish, like this weird yeah. mix. But mm-hmm. um, I grew up in a, a predominantly Mexican culture and yeah. it, people look like me. And so it was a weird thing that I'm like, hold up. So you have this stereotypical idea of what a Latina should look like. And because yeah. I don't look exactly like that, you're now labeling me white passing like it's some kind of insult. Now, is there a time mm-hmm. and a place for this conversation? Absolutely. Like, I do yeah. have to acknowledge that level of privilege. I have to acknowledge this level of privilege that, like, I bred with a white man and my son mm-hmm. has fair skin and he yeah. is going to enjoy a different privilege because of that. That mm-hmm. doesn't, there's no, everybody listening, there's no bad here. There's no shame about it. It just yeah. is. It's the reality of things. So I had to look this up. It's a construct of the United States. And what I always felt to be true is that oftentimes when somebody uses it to just be like, oh, you're white passing, it's to shut down a conversation and to say, your voice doesn't matter. I'm not going to listen to you and you have no place. And that is how Mm -hmm. people who, you know, are white passing or biracial, how they often feel is I have no place. Like, where do I actually belong? Um, And it's interesting because I have employees here in Puerto Rico and talking to them about like, what do you think about the term white passing? And they're like, 
what does that mean? And uh, mm-hmm. one of my employees, when I brought it up to her and said, well, somebody, you know, people would refer to me as white passing. And she was like, so offended. She yeah. was like, how are they going to say that to you? You're a Spanish. Like you are not like, how do they say they cannot take that from you? And it was so interesting to see because um, I had actually lived in Paris for three months. And that was the first time living outside the U.S., and everybody walked up to me and spoke Spanish to me first. Like people yeah. approached me and spoke Spanish to me first. And I was like, whoa, this is such a trip. And to think that like in the U.S., I was like, oh, it's like this awkward thing of like where, yeah. where do I belong? And it's shameful that I don't, I'm not fluent in Spanish. And also that like I'm not dark enough, but like, oh, I mm-hmm. am kind of like, oh, but I've got the curly hair. And like, you know, yep. the thing is, is that like we're just interesting, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just add yeah. flavor variety to the mix. There is a privilege in that. And there is a time and place for the conversation, Mm -hmm. but I've seen this, like, it's just been weaponized to be like, and now we're ending this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. It's typically used in a way to say that you don't have a place to advocate or to speak on behalf of, or to um, care even, (laughs) or to even identify, right. As that non-white part of yourself. And it is such a such an interesting um, experience being multiracial and, mm-hmm. you know, that sentiment of like, okay, well, where do I belong? I think is something a lot of multiracial people struggle with. And um, I'm so happy that like we've started off with this bit of conversation um, because yeah. I do think it's so important. And I think one of the things that I took away the most from doing, it was like a four-part biracial series um, with mostly people who are all half black and half white um, from Bachelor franchise but it it just spoke so much to me of where like a community feels lacking for multiracial mm-hmm. folk and yeah. i'm like there's even a whole category of people from the franchise who are multiracial and non black and white that can relate to these sentiments and it's just like i think the more that we do talk about them the more that it does feel like our experience is valid, right? That we see our experiences represented um, and that, that there's more a sense of like togetherness. So um, I can only imagine that like all the things that you just shared already as I was listening, I was like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. <laughs> I know, really? I know. I know exactly what you're saying. And for everyone listening, if you're like, I thought we we're going to talk about hormones, let's bring it yeah. full circle to that. Because yeah. everything we were just talking about have been things you have not been allowed to talk about. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't talk about those, you internalized them and that became stress. Now, yeah. what we've come to understand from the research, and yes, you can go into PubMed and you can type this in, you can find lots of information about it, is mm-hmm. the phenomenon of allostatic load. And that mm-hmm. is essentially, you know, you get dealt a card of higher stress. Now, that stress yeah. can be a score, so adverse childhood events. So, you know, you might have had an abusive family member, an alcoholic mm-hmm. family member in your home. It can be being a person of color, so anywhere of the BIPOC um, uh, yeah. you know, spectrum, but also what has happened generationally. So there's generational oh, yeah. trauma that's carried through as well. And why this is really important is because all of these stressors weigh heavily on your hormones. And while one person may experience stress and be like, that wasn't that big of a deal, I feel fine, and they rebound easier, you may already have a full bucket. And that one extra drop of stress is like the whole thing is splashing, spilling over. Mm-hmm. And that's because at a genetic level, 
You were primed with more cortisol receptors. You're primed to survive. So yes, you will survive because that that cortisol response, you will be affected by it and you will know, get out of danger as soon as possible. Like you will have that appropriate response. The trouble is, is that we have an evolutionary mismatch where there is no lion or tiger or bear, oh my. Um, Mm -hmm. There is day in and day out stress. And then there is all these stressors that we were talking about. So the stress of your gender. So um, believe it or not, being a man is the least stress, uh, you know, least impactful in an allostatic load. You don't say. (laughs) Right? Um, So if you are non-binary, you're transgender, or you're a woman, that can increase your allostatic load. But the population that we've come to find that is impacted the most is black women. And yep. that, and I, we don't have a, this is like, we don't have a lot of study in women's health. We don't have a lot of studies on transgender. And I'd love to know, I mean, we could just assume if it's tough mm-hmm. being a black woman, it is tough being a black trans woman. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's just going to be, you know, I mean, we just look at the news. It's just going to be yeah. so, there's just this extra layer of societal stress and baggage. And mm-hmm. so what all of that does is it skews the stress response. So you are primed towards the stress response. Now, the environment signals danger. Your body says, let's survive. We'll make cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine. That brain says, and we're in danger, do not ovulate. Shut down the menstrual cycle. So for some, your period mm-hmm. will disappear. For others, you may ovulate, but you may not have a great luteal phase. So you might not get enough progesterone because we don't want to maintain a pregnancy. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. area yeah. out there. And so then we see issues of like estrogen excess. This may be in part of why we know that black women get fibroids at a higher rate. Um, Mm -hmm. We know that, so there's a phenomenon known as endometrial hyperplasia. So thickening of the endometrial lining of the uterus and that happens in the condition of estrogen dominance. We see a lot in perimenopause when there's not adequate progesterone around, but there's enough estrogen around. But this can also happen if you have got a chronic stress state and these issues of race These issues of gender, these issues of identity create a chronic stress state, which is why, you know, when people come to me and they're like, I just had someone last week that's like, please don't make woman a four letter word. I'm like, what's that even mean? I don't even understand. And they're like, you said menstruators. I'm like, because what we're talking about applies to anyone who menstruates. Like there are times where it doesn't apply because it's like, well, you might be on different hormones and I don't. I can't apply mm-hmm. this information to you. Like, this is very much like, and I, and, yeah. then, and then even the menopausal people get upset because they're like, why are you only talking about like people with like ovaries that are currently functioning? And I'm like, because not specifically who this bit of information applies yeah. to, but got to be specific. Yeah. But this person, you know, I had several people jump on me and they're like, I, you know, when you use that terminology, I feel insulted and that's causing harm to me. And I was like, literally, being inclusive doesn't cause doesn't cost you anything. Being inclusive costs you nothing. However, being exclusive does cost people their lives. And I can bring receipts. We've got the data to show it. Yeah. Yep. E- equality and inclusion only feels like oppression when you've had privilege. Mm, true that. And that's what you know. That's why I bring up those ACE scores as well because you know people often come and they're like, "Well, I don't have privilege. I had it hard growing up." Yes. Now it's about. And yeah. And it's like, yes. So there was one type of privilege that you did not experience yet. There are other types of privilege. Like, I think the one that always gets left out is able-bodied privilege. And I'm like, can you not understand that? Like I had a traumatic brain injury 
And because mm. of my equilibrium, I couldn't walk on my own for three months. And whew, mm. like, that is something that I'm like, you shouldn't wait until a major event like that to really reflect on how good you have it living in the body that you do. There's always yeah. something to be grateful for. And the, you know, in, within your body, sure, sure, sure. And yet like mm-hmm. you can also recognize we have some privileges and in other ways we don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. It's time for a short break right here. I want to share again, one of my favorite sponsors of the podcast, and that is Equilibria, my favorite CBD company. They honestly go above and beyond, okay, for their customers. My favorite piece about Equilibria is that every Equilibria customer is assigned a dosage specialist who has a professional background in cannabis. And you can kind of think of them as like your dosage counselor. So I just had a follow-up call with my dosage counselor this week and was super helpful to be able to like you know, make small adjustments in my CBD routine to understand what's working best for me, what time to take it. I usually take mine like mid-afternoon and I take the the drops underneath my tongue and she helped provide education on why it's important to hold it underneath my tongue. All these kinds of like cool facts and um, processes about how they develop their products and about how I can best use them was just it was so helpful. And I just, I love that. And I think that really sets them apart from other CBD companies and the fact that they only use uh, hemp flour in their products. So it's not like a lower quality or lower grade because they're using things like stalks and stems. Like it's literally just the flour, which is the purest source of CBD. And all of this is like literally from one farm that they have that has strict farming practices, basically that like a medical hemp farm would use, even though they don't have to at all. Uh, but so it's ethically sourced. It's super high quality. It's fully traceable and it's third party uh, tested as well. Um, so I highly recommend them. You can go to Equilibrium sorry, <laughs> you can go to myeq.com and use code Taylor Nolan for 15% off for new customers. That's myeq.com with my code Taylor Nolan. It's been my favorite CBD site with lots of great items to choose from. So definitely take advantage of the dosage specialist um, and have a consultation with them um, before, after, whatever, when you're going to get your products and they will be so, so, so much help for you. So I'm super happy to have them as a sponsor and I hope that y'all have enjoyed this little mini break and now we can get right back to the show. I find that one thing I've really been trying to expand my knowledge and even my social media feed to be more inclusive of is uh, disabled people, disabled bodied people um, and learning so much through seeing them kind of share their stories and um, it's definitely made me think a little extra about like each step, um, mm-hmm. you know, even talking about periods. Uh, one of the women that I follow, um, super excited for, she had a partnership with uh, this period underwear brand and talking about, you know, the fact that she has an aid where like she needs the aid to kind of help along with every step of the way, but that like wearing these period underwear as a, um, as someone with a disability, like, tremendously helps with the messiness of periods. And I was just like, yeah, you know, I mean, I enjoy that because it just like feels easy and I like it and it's, you know, more sustainable than than these other things. (laughs) Yeah. But, but then I was also like, oh, well actually, yeah, like, I guess, 
that would almost feel more like a necessity if I did have some kind of a disability as opposed to having to like change out a tampon or change out a pad where, you know, like she has to have someone else like pull this out or, mm-hmm. or change it for her. Um, yeah. Like things like that where I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Like I'm learning a lot more about this and I'm planning to have her on the podcast as well. So I can talk about that more uh, with her, but yeah, there's so many different um pieces, I think, especially as someone who covers hormones, as a doctor that talks about hormones, where I imagine there's like a learning curve for a lot of people in your position, um, especially more so today, to be more inclusive in the language that they use and in how they're treating um, patients and clients. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing, so what I'll say is that we're all getting it wrong all the time in some way, and then we're just learning, okay? Like, we just... I mean, that's part of like, uh, I think that there's, there, there's the people who become doctors and they carry that ego and they're like, I have to get it right all the time. And like, mm-hmm. they should make an appointment with you. Um, and so yeah. I'm just not one of those people. I'm like, I'm okay being wrong because I found that like, if I'm wrong and I can like, and I can see it, I can learn from it and I can do better. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not, I'm here to do better for my patients and I'm here to yeah. do better. And so why not be able to learn? The, the difference, so in my education, um, so when I went to medical school back in the day, we had gender neutral bathrooms. Um, mm. This was something, uh, so this is in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I actually yeah. worked in a trans clinic for two years. It was my working in a Baptist church. That, uh, part of it was converted into a medical clinic that um, really taught me how much, like, especially the black community, but people of color do not trust doctors. I mean, I know why my, yeah. the women in my family don't, some of them had forced sterilization because of being a Latina. Um, mm-hmm. and it really woke me up to like, you know, seeing that, like it's being in that community and seeing that, like how often a doc, and, and the funny thing is they would request me because they were mm-hmm. like, you're not one yeah. of the white doctors. Um, yep. and, uh, and to see like how often doctors would say that, no, you can trust me. And to really Ooh. watch that interaction, because to me, I'm like, you don't tell people you can trust them. You don't say like, look, yeah. I think it's great that you put like in your bio that you're inclusive or like whatever you put in your, I think that's great to signal. That is one of many signals that has to happen to earn trust. You can't just say, mm-hmm. trust me. You have yeah. to demonstrate it through actions. And I would just sit back and watch that interaction and, you know, the, the way I came about it differently was being like, okay, I want you to be a troublemaker. I want you to question everything. You will find this on my Instagram. It is born out of working mm-hmm. with these different communities where I'm like, I know you're told never to ask a doctor a question, not to question a doctor, like to trust them. And I know yeah. that you're not going to do what we ask you to do because you don't trust us. So I want you to be a troublemaker. Question me. Call bullshit. Mm-hmm. I, like whatever you need to do, it's totally okay. Cause this is your body and you, and yeah. one consent is only valid if you understand everything that I'm recommending and why I'm recommending it. But, yeah. um, yeah, a while back when the, um, trans, the, uh, the, the gender neutral bathrooms became like, people were like all up in arms. I was like, yeah. I don't even understand. Like, I mean, it was kind of weird when you're going to the bathroom and then you're like professors in the bathroom and you're like, hey, like that's a little bit weird. But then when you're like, oh, but wait, we all poop. Like this is a thing, mm-hmm. like, right? Yeah. Um, but it's just because you come from this paradigm where it's like, oh, like, um, and, you know, mm-hmm. there's even, I know Seattle has places with uh, gender neutral bathrooms. Canada has places yeah. with 
It's like on the West Coast. Not yep. But I mean, that was a really uh, big difference in my education. Our orientation started with a health disparity um, discussions. We did a lot on privilege, a lot on being very, very mindful of underserved populations. And so I'm really grateful for the education I got because now mm-hmm. here we are in 2020 and people are like getting shell shocked. And I'm like, yeah. okay, like I can actually help, but also mm-hmm. I still have to listen. So this is important guys, even though I have that foundation and like, I might have a leg up, I still screw up and I have mm-hmm. to still listen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I do love Portland and I do love Seattle. And so this does make a lot of sense to me that, that your schooling was there and that, and that yeah. you were living there. Um, but always so interesting to me too, like, you know, go a little bit outside of Portland and not the same. Literally uh, drive an hour <laughs> south and you're like, hey, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very dangerous. Very uncomfortable. Um, I feel like isn't actually they, I think they're like pretty top in the country for like Nazi groups or like white supremacist groups in Oregon and in Washington. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty crazy, right? Like you're in this little Portland bubble and you're like, I mean, when I moved to Portland, it was the first time I ever felt like I was at home. Like it was the Mm. first time that I was like, this feels good. It's a very different city now. It's changed a lot. Um, But so much of it was because what I tell people is, in Portland, the attitude is do whatever you want, be whoever you want. As long as you're not hurting anyone else, yeah. do you? And nobody cared. And it's so interesting because my son is seven now. We have conversations, um, you know, about things. Pixar just had this um, cute little video about coming out. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it was so cute. It's so cute. The guy like trades place with the dog. You guys have, to, it's so cute. Um, oh, okay. And, yeah, I need to look that up. <laughs> yeah. So my son watches it and, um, at the end, he's just like, I don't understand. Why was he so embarrassed? Like, why didn't he want to tell his parents? Like, why was that so hard to tell him about his boyfriend? And I was like, kid, one day you're going to have a girlfriend or boyfriend and you're going to be like, um, I'm, I don't, are my parents going to judge me? Are they going to like them? It's going to feel that same awkward thing that you're going to have a partner and you're not going to be sure like what, whether we'll approve or not. And so, and Mm -hmm. my husband was like, damn, like, well done. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm like, it's just what we talked about before of like, just treat it like it's normal. Don't treat it. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, in our generation, it was something special. Like we had to treat it like it's so special and unique. And it's just like, this is, it just is. And I think that's how we have to start shifting the conversation overall. And especially Mm -hmm. in medicine, um, because the reality is is people aren't getting the care that they need because of the type of language that's used or even the fact and I don't think most people realize this, that the white body is the standard for teaching medicine. So when it comes to rashes, Mm -hmm. when it comes to, we're going to talk about yeast infections today, uh, the standard is the white body. And because of that, like when you don't have a white body, you look at images and you're like, is something wrong with me? Or what is this? Or like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know. But also doctors tend not to catch the diagnosis correctly in some cases. So they might not catch eczema because it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's not erythematous. It's not that bright red or that bright beefy red with like a yeast infection because it's presenting on a different body. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why that's only ever one of the criteria. And I also remind, I remind doctors when I lecture to them and the public that 
almost no one presents like the textbook. So if your doctor is dismissing you because they're like, no, but the textbook says this and, and you're not checking off every box, you just remind them that like there are always outliers and yeah. that's what makes life interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about yeast infections a yeah. little bit. Um, I just recently had one about two months ago. And so I'll say I've been very fortunate to not have a lot of yeast infections. And I know people that get them so frequently. Um, I think I had my first one in university along with my first UTI, which was a nightmare. Um, and then I got one last year Um where I did the same thing I did um, for the first time, which was like do a monostat round thing. And then um, this year when I got it, um, I learned that there was like a little pill that you could take, flucanazole. all, yeah. And um, it, it made my life so much easier, but there was like, and I did, I did post like a story about like taking it and being like, yeah, well, this is what's happening today. I got a yeast infection. Um, but like, it feels so stressful that like literally anything could upset your vagina. Like (laughs) anything could throw it off. Like I was at the lake and like was in wet bathing suit and, you know, wore it a little bit longer than maybe I should have. And then had to do like three rounds of this like thing. And it's like creates so much stress. Like being a woman has its own stressors. Like we are just kind of talked about, but then like just taking care of your vaginal health, like that's a whole other layer of stress because like literally it feels like anything could upset it. Like the wrong soap, the wrong uh, laundry detergent, right? Like the wrong material of underwear, like anything. If It's like so sensitive. Um, but yeah, I had a yeast infection and learned that you could take the the pill, uh, which was super helpful. Yeah. Not the pill as in birth control pills, because that'll yes. actually make things worse. We'll talk about that. Okay. So first, yeah. um, not anything will upset your vagina. So your vagina is actually a rude, like very, very resilient organ. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> super, and it's self-cleaning. She's a boss. Okay. It's yes. a self-cleaning machine. So we yes. need to talk about how to care for your vagina. And then we're going to yeah. talk about yeast infections. But first thing is I want to acknowledge that if anybody out there is like, Like it's super, it's super awkward. It's super confusing. It's really stressful. Yes, there's an infection inside your body and you cannot Mm -hmm. see it unless you just have a home speculum and a flashlight and a good iPhone, maybe. Um, But, you know, with that, there are only 17 states that mandate medically accurate sex education. So only 17 states. So it depends on what state you grew up in, the kind of sex education you got. And this might be, so you might, if you're in those 17 states, you might be like, I know about my vagina. If you aren't, you might be like, what's a vagina? What's a vulva? What's a urethra? I don't know because I don't even know what's being taught there, but based Mm -hmm. on the interactions I have on social media, it's not, it's not valuable. I'll just say that. So there's that piece. There's also the piece that only nine states, it's about nine states uh, mandate that it's culturally uh, appropriate and that it's inclusive. So, uh, of course. and this is important to understand because it's nine states that say, we're not going to teach the boys and the girls something different, you know, when they send them to separate mm, rooms. Yeah. I don't know what they do yep. these days because, yeah, it's much more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, well, I guess you're going to find out, right? With your son, you're going to find out what they're doing. <laughs> my son knows more sex ed at seven True. than the yeah. average adult does. He has, we, he has 
we get out in the anatomy book. We talk about all yeah. the parts. He can tell you. I mean, he, I mean, I have videos of him when he was like four on Instagram teaching people that this is the mm-hmm. vagina and that's a yeah. cervix. And these are, and he actually made me a connects. I woke up one morning. This is like you, when you're a nerdy mom like me, I wake up and he made me a connects. He built a uterus and a uterus, fallopian tubes and ovaries. This kid's five. And he's like, and he calls them odories at that time. And he's like, it's a uterus and odories, mama. I was like, oh my God. Oh my. Somebody give me my trophy. I'd like to accept my award now for best mom of the year. Um, oh so, my gosh, yeah, that's my, amazing. My, my kid will be teaching like sex ed. Um, yeah. and, this, and just in case people are like seven, oh my God, it is never too young to teach never. a child anatomically mm-hmm. uh, correct names for their body and how yeah. things work. Um, it doesn't mean that he like it was about STIs or anything like that. Although he does listen to me talk a lot, so I know he does know about yeah. yeast infection. So I'll tell you that. So yeah. I just want to acknowledge that because you shouldn't feel ashamed for the fact that nobody gave you the information you deserve to have. Mm-hmm. In fact, I didn't know a whole lot about my body until I got to medical school, and that's BS. You yeah. shouldn't have to go to medical school to understand the body you live in. This information is the information mm-hmm. you deserve, which is why I hustle all day, every day, all yeah. over social media, not all day. Oh but, yeah, you do. No, you like, do hustle on there. I see it. And I'm like, damn, she's really putting in some work here. Thank you. I just, uh, it's just something that I'm like, if I can help just one person have a more productive conversation with their doctor and actually get their needs met mm-hmm. and maybe get a diagnosis sooner, like that's yeah. a mission right there. And to just understand your body because you don't always need a doctor for everything. And you also, yeah. it's so scary to be in the unknown. So yeast Mm -hmm. infection. So these can come out from like wrong pair of chonies, right? So if your uh, underwear are synthetic and they're not breathing, Mm -hmm. and so you're going and you're uh, working out, if you are wearing a bathing suit all day, this isn't because like, oh, those caused it. It's because the yeast was already there and it just gave Mm -hmm. a great environment for it to overgrow. Yeah. And Good breeding ground. Let me just say that shouldn't even be an issue. You should be able to hang out in your bathing suit all day, and that shouldn't yeah. be an issue. So we've got an ecology issue. There's an imbalance already taking place. You have yeast in your vagina. You have yeast in your gut. You have yeast on your mm-hmm. skin. You have yeast everywhere. It's a eukaryote that's just like you on the cellular level that hangs out with you. It's not bad until it's out of balance. Same with bacterial vaginosis. Those things are not bad. They're just out of balance. Yeah. We have to bring them back into balance. So. Supporting your vaginal health is everything in preventing the yeast infections and really mitigating them when they come along too. So the yeast is already there. So mm-hmm. how does the yeast start to overgrow? Well, this can happen following, so we've got the environmental issue. This can happen following douching or bubble baths for some people. Yeah. Don't ever Which do- are people really still douching? Like that's not necessary. Listen, if you go to the market, <clears throat> there's still a whole aisle <laughs> And you know how a capitalistic society works. Yeah. They ain't going to be making yeah. it unless people are buying it. But also yeah. I have a TikTok video where I talk about how you don't need to douche. And yeah. there are, one, there's a lot of men on there being like, I bet she smells like fish. I bet blah, blah, blah. They, they always have like commentary on my body. I hate people. That's always, <laughs> like seriously, I was in New York. Uh, it was when I was uh, going around to publishers talking to him about my book. Mm-hmm. And um, I was looking good. And I got cat called and I stopped and walked back and I was like, I would like your mother's number. He's like, excuse me. I'm like, I'd like to your mother's number because I think she should know how you're misbehaving on the street. Did she raise you like this or did she raise you better? And he was like, 
oh my God, I'm so sorry, ma'am. And I was like, well, and then inside I was like, shit, he just called me ma'am. Like now I've got the ma'am. Like, like, okay, fine. I'll take it. Like it's better than what was going on. So that's kind of my now my go-to is like, oh my God. I need your mom's number. I need to, I need to tell on you. Like I need to talk to her. Like (laughs) you're my new favorite person. I fucking love you. That's fantastic. But seriously, though, if my son was doing something like that and I got a call and, then, yeah. and I, I was like 90, I know this. If I was like 90 yeah. and they're like, your son cat called me, I'd be like, uh-uh. Oh, no, 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 you did not. Yeah. Um, not okay. So with that, no douching. Your vagina is not supposed to smell like summer breeze or lavender or peaches yeah. and cream. That's just, it's just like, okay, I want to say, though, if you fall into that marketing, I'm someone who used to be like, I need to smell like berries and champagne or like... And I say this in my book, a very candid in my book about myself, or like vanilla, and I would wear my vanilla mm-hmm. body lotion. Like, no, you're supposed to smell yeah. like a human. Like, you're a little bit stinky, attracts people. Like, that's what... Yeah, your pheromones. I love totally. a good little stink. Yeah. So, so nice. don't, don't be putting in anything inside the vagina. Nothing goes in there. The vagina mm-hmm. is the inside. The vulva is the outside. The vulva only really needs water, like water mm-hmm. into friction. And so yeah. now that just sounds like a good time to wait. <laughs> some water, maybe like some water-based lube and some friction. <laughs> you're good to go. <laughs> People are like, I, I can get down with the shower. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you just, it's just like washing your hands, right? You, mm-hmm. you don't have to have a whole lot of friction, but just clean the area. If you want to use some soap because that makes you feel better, you can use a mild soap. Um, yeah. It doesn't, it, try to stay away from scents. There's no reason to yeah. have fragrances. And I want to just say that like, sometimes there are things that are, they say fragrance free because they don't have the chemical fragrance in them, but they'll still have like, lavender essential oil or something like that, yeah. that might be sensitive for you. So some people do have a sensitivity and it's important to pay attention to that because anytime you mess with the barrier, you mess with the pH, the chemistry, or you mess with the ecology, you are running a risk of getting an infection. So mm-hmm. that's how we clean. Bubble baths can also be problematic. You can find yeah. like clean, I hate using the word clean as we talk about vaginas because that feels kind of shamey, but like in terms of like not having sulfites in it, not having parabens. Clean ingredients. Yes. Um, And you can use that if you, I mean, who doesn't want a good bubble bath? Everybody does, right? Um, So you can use something like that. It's when you get the like, most bubble baths are, or bath bombs, they're like super scented. They have all this stuff yeah. in there. Um, you know, even bath bombs, you know, if they're having that bicarbonate, so they get all fizzy, mm-hmm. that can shift the pH. And like, here's the thing. Water gets in and water gets out in a bathtub. That's how it works. Yeah. Like you're not a duck. Okay. <laughs> like <thank> So <laughs> I was when like the week that I got this yeast infection, I was at the lake a lot. Um, my, she's basically like my little sister, Naya. I share her a lot on social and she's six and she knows her vulva versus vagina. Like we go over all that. Um, and we were like hanging off the paddleboard in the water. You know, she has her little floaty on and she's uh, like moving her legs, like kind of separating them and then bringing them back together and separating them, bringing them back together. And she like made this face and I was like, what? Like, did you touch seaweed? And she was like, no, I'm just like sucking the water up. And I was like, what? And she's like, in my vagina. (laughs) And I was like, you're sucking the water up into your vagina? And she was like, she's like, yeah, like, hold on. And then she like makes this face and it's like really squeezing and brings her legs back together. And it was like, ugh. 
like, okay, yeah. I was like, maybe that's like, kind of feels like a Kegel exercise. Do you know what Kegels are? And she's like, what is that? And then she's like, moved on to the next thing and didn't care at all. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know that you want to be just like squeezing up lake water into your vagina, but don't certainly but some of it's still... Boat, it might happen anyways. Like, yeah, exactly. Like... I was like, but some of it's still going in there. So <laughs> it's like those water slides, you know, those water slides that go like really fast. Yeah. Water can, yeah. that's why you'll see people cross their ankles. Like if they're going to go down there and yeah. straighten up. Yeah. Um, so I mean, this, these are like, but imagine like if people just normalize these conversations for us when we were six, right? Like, yeah, this happens. So, um, mm-hmm. with that in mind, so we want to be taking care of, and you don't need any special lotions or anything else. Yeah. Um, if you feel like there's an odor, then there's probably mm-hmm. an infection. <laughs> if there's an odor yeah. after you work out, welcome to being a human. That's not yep. normal. Um, so, you know, that's, that's how we want to care for the vagina. Now, we want to be caring for our gut as well when it comes to vaginal ecology. And this is the one that kind of throws people off because they're like, wait mm-hmm. a minute, like my gut, your gut and your vagina, they share organisms. In fact, we don't even know enough about this whole microbiome that exists all over our body. It's, it gets around, okay? Yeah. So there can be yeast overgrowth. And I found this in my patients who have recurrent yeast infections where they have yeast mm-hmm. overgrowth actually in their gut. And so then... They're wearing the underwear, the wrong underwear. They're sweating. They're in the bathing suit. They use the wrong detergent. Their partner ejaculates inside of them and boom, they've got a yeast infection. Also, Hmm. very common to see after your period because period blood can shift your pH as well. So there's this pH in the ecology and it keeps everybody in check. This is why we need a healthy gut because a healthy gut translates to a healthy vagina and we can have these lactobacillus species, which are bacteria making basically acid. They're going to make some acid in there so that that pH is right and that that yeast doesn't overgrow and that bacteria doesn't overgrow. So we want to have that in check. So if you are someone with recurrent yeast infections, you want to check with what's going on in your gut. Because I found that in my patients where I'm like, well, it's in your gut. So we've got to like clear it out of your gut. And Hmm. you want to make sure, you know, there's this idea where people are like, um, there's no scientific evidence that sugar makes the yeast infection worse or causes yeast infections. However, while we may say that based on the research, there are definitely people out there that are like, I eat sugar, like I binge on sugar, and I get a yeast infection. What may be going on is you already have a low-grade one. Yeasts live on sugar, but also if there's an inflammatory response with that sugar because of the shift in, in your blood sugar and in the hormones, then we could also see that the symptoms increase as well. So what symptoms? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should probably talk about that, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, we often think cottage cheese like white discharge. It can be a thin white discharge. It usually mm-hmm. doesn't have an odor, but if it does, it smells a little bit like bread rising, like it's that yeasty kind of smell. The mm-hmm. tissue will typically get swollen, painful, yeah. and can get that beefy red is what we call it. But again, depending on your skin color, it may not, it may be more like a purple color. So that's why we have other criteria. We don't just go off the color. Yeah. That yeast, yes, it can live in your vagina. It can also spread to other areas. So it can go onto the perineum, um, the anus, into the butt crack. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, it typically stays in that area, but it, you know, it can travel and you can get fissures. So the skin will start cracking. It hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. will say, go take an apple cider vinegar bath. And they're like, I'm literally dying. I just like put my pelvis in yeah. a volcano. Like this hurts so bad. So yeah. with that, 
Um, just know that like you can have fissures show up. That's that can be part of the yeast presentation. If it's a vaginal yeast infection, we can see fissures um, in so the outer labia. So usually it'll be right before between the labia majora and menorah yeah. that you'll get these splits and it doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. Um, yeah. And you may be tempted. I've had patients who are like, it hurt and burned so bad and it was so hot. I put an ice cube inside. Don't you don't put ice cubes inside of you um, that you can't retrieve. Maybe like an ice pack like over yeah, underwear. Yeah, like I wanted an ice cube inside of me. Um, you know, the, yeah, it's something where they're like, I was, I, I put an ice cube up there and then it was like so cold and then it get. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And it, it melts. But the thing is, is that you put that really, really cold and the reflexive response of the body is rush more blood to the area. And so it can yeah. actually make it feel more uncomfortable. So um, if you are on the pill and other forms of hormonal birth control, if you are pregnant and using a vaginal suppository of progesterone, that can also increase the risk of yeast infections. Mm-hmm. And if you guys read Beyond the Pill, don't skip over my pill story where I tell you about my chronic yeast infections that were so bad that I actually deler- like I developed an allergic reaction to monostat and my vagina turned inside out. And I'm oh, not no. even kidding. The inside of my vagina became the outside. Um, not the whole thing, guys. It's long. Um, but part because it was so swollen and it was allergic response. Allergic yeah. response. And so I had... A yeast infection that day, I worked my way through college as a group fitness instructor. I still had to get on a, I had to ride my bike, um, go to the group fitness class, teach a spinning class. I used some monostat, got on a bike, went to like, went to class, like came back, went and taught another class. Okay. By the way, not changing gym clothes, pretty nasty, but like I'm 20, I got to make money. got to go to class. And like that afternoon I was like, what is going on? And I thought it's the friction of being on a bike. And I called my doctor and he was like, yeah, you have an allergic reaction to monostat. You need to go to the pharmacy. You need to get this huge syringe. You need to fill it with sterile saline water. And then you need to douche. That is the only time he was like, Hmm. I would never tell you to douche, but you have to get that monostat out because And he was like, I'm also, you got to take some Benadryl and all this stuff. So, yeah. And at that point he was like, why, like, why are you even using monostat? It hasn't been effective for you. Like, like let's, Mm -hmm. let's, and, um, we tried Diflucan wasn't like, wasn't touching things. Really the issue was like, I had a pill problem. Nobody talked to me about that. Um, Mm. which by the way, Diflucan, so Yeast being eukaryotes means that to kill yeast, to kill a eukaryotic cell, you take something like a pill for that, that's going to take a hit on your liver as well. And so that's why like metronidazole, we do not drink alcohol with metronidazole because that could be like hepatic failure. Like your liver Hmm. cannot handle that. Diflucan, one, get in, get out. Not the end of the world. Um, And diflucan is different than flucanazole flucanazole, Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anything the dissolves, that's, that's, you're going to be your anti-yeast. So mm-hmm. with that, um, if you having to take Diflucan over and over and over though, like that's problematic, but he ended up recommending me boric acid and boric acid yeah. is a great treatment. Um, I have at drbrighton.com a, a yeast article lists, you know, monostat lists, boric acid lists, different therapies and different ways to approach mm-hmm. it. And I talk about, you know, boric acid, uh, you know, with my patients, I will sometimes do boric acid suppository with yeah. a lactobacillus suppository to help reset that mm-hmm. eco- ecology and get that environment right. Um, but that's also a treatment that we can be used at home. And mm-hmm. there's people who, you know, are like, 
oh, but boric acid can be dangerous. And I'm like, if you put it in your mouth, don't ever put it in your mouth. But vaginally using it, you know, for a short period of time, it really has a low side effect profile. But Hmm. I also want to say, just because you think it's yeast doesn't always mean it is yeast. And so if you yeah. with anything and it doesn't get better, you need to see, a, uh, you need to go to a clinic or see a doctor and get mm-hmm. tested because just because it's yeast doesn't mean trichomonas can't be there too or something else. So it could mm-hmm. be something else going on. Yeah. I think that's part of what feels overwhelming sometimes of like being a vagina haver person for me is that it's like, okay, you know, I took the monostat like test thing and like it didn't change color. So, okay, then it must be yeast infection. It feels like it's all these symptoms. So, okay, I'm going to take a round of the flu Canada blah, blah, and okay, I'll take one more round and okay, symptoms are maybe still kind of slightly showing up. I'll do one last third round. And if that doesn't do anything, then I'm going to have to go in somewhere and like get stuff checked out because then at that point, who knows what it could be. And that to me is just always like a really scary anxiety inducing um, adventure. Um, But I have heard a lot about doing the boric acid. And I think one time before I went to the clinic to then get the first uh, prescription of the flicking blah, blah, blah. Um, I used, I think it was called yeast away, like by Vaja Vitanica, something yeah. Vitanica. Yes. Um, and really liked that, but then still was having symptoms from it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think that that included the boric acid in there, I think. Yeah. yeah so that's yeah. another one that you can get over the counter. I think you can get it most like CVS, Walgreens, mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. not just a special Whole Foods trip. You can get it other places yeah. as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, for people who are listening who have a history of trauma and because that could be a real barrier to going and getting tested, you can ask the yeah. clinic if you can self-collect. And you can just, you, they can give you a swab and you can insert your swab and swab around and self-collect. And that's something that I've done with a lot of patients who... You know, they're, they're and, and sometimes it's just like you're just, you're just having a day where you're just like, I'm feeling sensitive about all of this, mm-hmm. and I just don't want someone up in my business unless they have to be. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it is helpful to have a physical exam, but sometimes we can just do a self-collect. And so if that's a barrier for you, especially mm-hmm. people with a history of trauma, just to say, can I do a self-collect? Will you allow me to do a self-collect, yeah. and then we can run that test. Yeah. Well, and especially during COVID too. I yeah. mean, people not wanting to go into the clinic and everything. I know that's how I felt. And just to get a refill, they were like, you have to come in and see us. And I was like, well, I took the first round and my symptoms are decreasing and I'm self-pay and it's COVID. Like, do I really have to come in to have an exam? Like, yeah. can you just give me the refill, please? <laughs> uh, but that's a good idea. I definitely should have been like, oh, like, do you do self-collect by chance? Mm-hmm. Like, can I just do that? Um that's a great tip. Um, I'm wondering if we can briefly kind of discuss like the difference between like a yeast infection and bacterial vaginosis and also just like what bacterial vaginosis is. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I feel like it is more common maybe than like we think it is. And I, I don't know, maybe I've had it at some point, but I'm just kind of like, I feel like I don't know enough about it. Yeah. Well, it's one of the most common, uh, vaginal mm-hmm. infections before menopause. So yeah, it's really common and it's where, the joke of like, oh, close your legs, it smells like fish comes from, which is just like, that's a, that's a different rant for a different day of like, yeah. oh, that's so cute. You're still body shaming. Um, yeah, patriarchy. Gotta yeah, love it. Yeah, because like, yeah. Let me like just break down for everyone. Bodies are gross. They do gross things. So do dog bodies, cat bodies, dolphin bodies. 
we all do gross things. It's just a thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's not mm-hmm. just you. So yeah. with bacterial vaginosis, this is overgrowth of normal bacteria that's found in your vagina, a very, very good thing until it overgrows. And again, that's a pH shift. Um, mm-hmm. Ejaculate, that's a big trigger for a lot of people where they're like, I have sex if ejaculate and ejaculate uh, is going to change the pH of your vagina. Um, it, it does that when you ejaculate. So when it a male your pH. partner, so if sperm, oh, okay. yeah, sperm carrying ejaculate um, enters the vagina, that is when we'll see the pH shifts. And that's so like, cause the sperm are like, we're here, we're going to survive yeah. and they get into the egg. And then yeah. the, the vagina will come in eventually and be like, you're done. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, and so with that, we've got bacterial vaginosis and we've got yeast infection. So yeast, that's going to be yeast overgrowth, bacterial vaginosis, totally normal bacteria found in the vagina overgrowing, mm-hmm. both normal, just wrong amounts. Now with yeast, we've got that white discharge. It can be thin white or clumpy white. With bacterial vaginosis, it's thin. There's never any clumps with it. It can be gray or it can be clear, but it can have an odor. Yeast won't have an odor. That will have an odor. We don't usually see the swelling, um, itching, burning with yeast mm. that we or uh, with BV. We see that yeah. with yeast, but you can. You can sometimes have that where it's uncomfortable. So those are the major differences there. Boric acid can be helpful with both of those. For, mm. the, um, for the bacterial vaginosis, it's not actually wanting to come in and use more uh, bacteria. So that's not exactly what we want to do. And some, so sometimes you'll be given an antibiotic. Other times, things like um, vitamin C suppository can actually be helpful mm-hmm. with this as well. Um, this has been going around TikTok, so I'm just going to say it. No, vitamin C cannot cause an abortion. So that's like, if you've had unprotected sex, it's plan B. Plan B is your friend. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't, I have yet to make a video for this, but I keep being asked like, oh, if I like had unprotected sex, can I just like use vitamin C? I'm like, no. If vitamin C worked, we would not plan B. Like, no, this is again, Thank you. Thank you, legislators who decided we didn't need yeah. to be accurate sex education or that we just needed to teach abstinence only because the research shows yeah. that clearly has never worked. Uh, yep. So that's the, that's the main differences between them. Mm-hmm. And so um, know that if you have that fishy odor, that's due to amine. So that's a chemical compound the bacteria releases. It's not you. It's the organism that's releasing mm. that. So that's just really, I can't even tell you how many times I've said that to a patient and they're like, oh my God, it's not me. I'm like, it's not you. Mm-hmm. The bacteria, yeah. there's a chemical compound called amines, A-M-I-N-E-S, mm-hmm. not you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think like, I don't think I have had bacterial vaginosis before. Um, I think I have felt like maybe I did at the start of a yeast infection because some of the discharge was like a, like an offish white, mm-hmm. like almost like small parts being almost like tinted a green-ish, but most of it being uh, a white and thinking, okay, if this is like partially not white, then it's not a yeast infection, mm-hmm. um, but still having all of the other symptoms of like, it's itchy, it burns, it hurts, it um, is clumpy, it is a lot of discharge, um, but that's that does seem like pretty clearly different there. Um, I often find that people tend towards one or the other. 
Like it's like mm-hmm. someone's like, yeah, yeast infections. That's, that's my jam. And then other people are like, nope, it's always BV. Um, and yeah. so that, that can be telling of just the population that's growing in there and the pH. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you, you might be the person right now listening to this and be like, no, I literally just switch. I just, it's like, you know, spin the wheel yeah. and who am I going to get? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know like your book predominantly beyond the pill talks about the pill. Um, and we don't have a ton of time to talk all about the pill, but one of the things I do selfishly want to ask here, um, is about how we see coming off of birth control impact, um, like facial, uh, outbreaks and how like hormones play a part in, um, in, acne and in breakouts. Um, I was on the pill from 15 to 21. And then when I got off the first two, two, three years was pretty fine. Still had like clear skin, never struggled with breakouts as a teenager. Um, and the last like two years now, I just consistently have these like painful, like growing from beyond the graves of my chin that just like consistently come up. And when I've shared about it on social, everyone's like, oh, that's hormonal. That's hormonal. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm not on any kind of birth control now. Like I don't take a pill of any kind. So I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, okay, this has got to be like hormone related. So um, would love to hear just a little bit about like, you know, how our hormones kind of reset a bit after being on hormonal birth control. So before you started the pill, did you have acne? No. Okay. <clears throat> I was the same way. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I started the pill at 17 and three years of clear skin. I mean, you know, you're a teenager, but like every now and again, you have an outbreak, but it did not yeah. have anything like when I came off the pill, which I had a beard of cystic acne and um, people, I feel like- And cystic, cystic is- is the like deep ones, right? that you're talking about mm-hmm. hurt really bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those, and that's the thing. And I was going to say is that, you know, doctors will be like, Oh, it's acne. That's uncomfortable. No, it hurts. And, um, yeah, yeah I remember, I remember I was a group fitness instructor and I would stand above people like on a stage and they could see it and like, Oh, sometimes, sometimes it would just be like right underneath. And I'm like, good, nobody can see it. And then I'd stand up there and you're sweating and it's yeah. hotter and big. Oh, it's the worst. Um, so I talk about this, this, um, you're going to find acne throughout the book. You're going to find it in chapter eight, talking about Mm -hmm. the androgen rebound. So first hormonal birth control is associated with nutrient deficiencies like zinc, Mm -hmm. vitamin A. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot more like selenium, uh, vitamin C, CoQ10, B vitamins. And so this is really important. Like I want to start here. So mm-hmm. we've known this since the 1970s, and I say that in my book as well, but we don't tell anybody that, hey, yeah. if you're on birth control, you should take a multivitamin or prenatal because you can end up with nutrient deficiencies. Now, if you're eating a pretty good diet, then you're probably not going to have like a major nutrient deficiency, but there's- Most teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? I'm like, <laughs> I eat crumb donuts for lunch, so don't judge me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with that though, to keep in mind, so yes, there's that diet um, part of that. However, you know, these nutrient deficiencies, there's a disconnect where people are like, oh, deficiency of vitamin C, you'd have bleeding gums and you'd have scurvy. It's like, dude, nobody gets scurvy. Like, no, that's not a thing anymore. We're not pirates. Come on. Um, There's this disconnect of like, oh, that's that's what a deficiency looks like. No, a deficiency, suboptimal levels can look 
differently. So with zinc, for instance, you can have acne, you can be getting sick all the time, you can have white spots on your nails, like before you have like growth issues, like you're going to see those subtle signs come up. So this is important Mm -hmm. because these B vitamins, folate, B12, B6, B2, that birth control depletes are part of how your liver metabolizes your hormones. Mm -hmm. that's really essential for detoxing estrogen out of the body, which can be a player with acne. Um, And so there's that piece. And just handling metabolic waste altogether. Your liver is very good at that. Now, the depletion in zinc, zinc and vitamin A, those are going to help with regulating your immune system. And we know when zinc gets low, we're more prone towards acne. It just depends on how your body presents. And so Zinc can actually be really beneficial for that. A, uh, vitamin A, vitamin C, very important for skin health and skin integrity. So we've got the nutrient depletions. We've also got that hormonal birth control can induce intestinal hyperpermeability, or what most people know as leaky gut. So we can end up with food sensitivities as a result of that. And so maybe now dairy is not your friend. I hate to say it, but that can be a common mm-hmm. cause of acne. And, um, and I'm like, as I'm like, uh, it happens to me too. Um, yeah. So- I mean, I primarily am, am vegan mm-hmm. for the most part. Like I think maybe once in a blue moon, I have something that like is a pastry that does have some dairy butter or that even maybe has eggs or something yeah. um, or some milk, but it's pretty, I'm pretty vegan. Yeah. Well, and the thing about being vegan is that watching soy consumption. So soy is yeah. a top allergen and anything that's a top allergen. So Soy, wheat, different nuts, those can be mm-hmm. more likely to become food sensitivities. So food sensitivities are not food allergies. You cannot heal a food yeah. allergy to my knowledge, like successfully on your own food sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. um, you may develop food sensitivities. We also have a, a disruption of the microbiome of the gut and the vagina. That's where we get more prone to yeah. vaginal infections. And we know mm-hmm. if the gut's not happy, your immune system's not happy and yeah. you're more prone towards acne. Now, when you come off the pill, so we've got all those factors. They're like waiting in the wing. They're like, just say, mm-hmm. just say it's my cue and I will come out to play. Uh, but when you come off of the pill, your ovaries, they've been suppressed. So uh, for everybody mm-hmm. listening, birth control works at the brain level. You flood your system with hormones. And we're talking about the pill specifically here. I, sh- I just want to clarify with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, we're, so let me just say that Progestin IUDs don't do this the same way like the patch, the ring, the uh, pill does. So these other ones that have um, Mm. ability to shut down ovulation, they're flooding the brain. The brain says, okay, don't talk to the ovaries. So your ovaries have been on hiatus. Um, Essentially, this is this is kind of a form of a temporary female castration because you're no longer making your, your hormones. And that might offend mm. some people. That's not meant to be offensive. It's just what's going on. We basically took your ovaries and put them on the shelf. And so mm-hmm. your production of testosterone drops down. This is why for some birth control helps acne because it drops. Then sex hormone binding yeah. globulin, a protein that binds onto hormones, that rises. Now you come off of birth control and your ovaries are like, shut up. We get to do this now? Like, boom, mm-hmm. here come the androgens. And so androgens are what got called nail sex hormones. I've been doing this air quote for like 
a decade now. Oh my God. Yeah. Like we need to come up with something better because it's like, you know, it's even when we say like, oh, like I mean, there's so many things where it's like, oh, the female sex hormones. And then I have to explain to men mm-hmm. that they have estrogen too. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like mm-hmm. we just yep. be like, I don't know. But like, I don't know. Just the hormone. <laughs> this one, that is so bizarre. Right. But anyhow, this is testosterone and DHT. DHT is the potent form of testosterone. And so mm-hmm. Zinc is actually going to help with regulating and optimizing those testosterone levels and your skin, but it's not there. So that's what happens. So that androgen rebound, that's why we'll see like that acne coming on. But acne doesn't have to be just testosterone. Now, we typically think along the chin is going to be testosterone, but it doesn't always have to be, okay? So, and tracking your menstrual cycle and when your acne gets worse mm-hmm. can be very telling. So if your acne yeah. gets worse, like if your libido goes up and your acne gets worse, this is probably your testosterone that you're getting right in your mm-hmm. ovulation. But it can be estrogen as well because estrogen mm-hmm. spikes so that we ovulate. It's a whole cascade. If your yeah. acne gets worse and it's before your period, probably looking more at a progesterone estrogen picture. And you got to look at your other symptoms to understand that. If you're really irritable, you can't sleep, maybe you're having hot flashes because, yes, you can have hot flashes in your 20s if your estrogen's messing with you or you're really stressed out, um, then that's likely an estrogen component. If you're feeling, like, really chill, you're getting the best sleep of your life, you're like, I just love my family. I love everybody, like, so much, and my boobs kind of hurt, that can be a progesterone picture. And progesterone mm-hmm. can plump up the skin. So the problem is this happens in pregnancy as well. Like, why do we get acne? Mm. Because that progesterone yeah. rises, the bacteria gets under the skin, everything gets plumped up and you're like, I can't, I can't get out. So your immune system is <laughs> like, well, you don't belong here. We're going to handle that. There's a zit. Yeah. So that's what we're seeing with the pills. So we definitely need to come in with replenishing nutrient stores. So yes, good quality, probiotic, um, prenatal, um, you know, these, these different things can be helpful, but you also have mm-hmm. to be looking at your diet. So plenty of leafy greens, plenty of vegetables. I don't care. Like, I don't care what you want to name your diet. It's people always ask me like, what's the best diet? I'm like the nutrient dense diet the diet that gives yeah. you the most nutrients, that's the best diet. And if you want to be whatever you want to like label your diet, you got to like, I know the carnivore people are going to be like, I don't have to eat vegetables. I'm like, yo, can we just study you because you're volunteering for something that like, I don't quite understand. I'm, I'm getting yeah. to study you if you want to volunteer, but I'm not yeah. people. Someone got upset with me the other day. They're like, I can't believe you never recommend carnivore. I was like, there's literally no solid science to back this up let alone to tell a reproductively active population to negate their sources of folates. Like they could get pregnant. Like, no, no, I take my job. I'm like, I'm like already kind of freaking out. Like, 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 I'm like, ah, (laughs) so, but with that, I'm like, I want everybody eating six to nine servings of vegetables a day. That's Mm going to feed your microbiome. It's going to give, so there was an interesting study that they found that people who ate more pigmented vegetables were actually viewed as beautiful. Like they were, so they showed them, um, they had photos of them like before and after and people were like, Ooh, they're, that's like a, they're much more beautiful right now. Those carotenoids hmm. actually like they'll, um, rest in your skin. The pigments will go into your skin and yeah. do this nice glow. So yay, do that. Um, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's a really important aspect, high quality protein. Your liver can't detox without that. So, you know, you can, mm-hmm. if you're going to be eating meat, please, 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 sustainable, know your farmer kind of action, best to your ability. Yeah. But I want to recognize that like choosing what we eat 
and like having specialty diets is 100% a privilege and it is often something where people are like, oh, just eat grass fed. And it's like, but some people don't Mm -hmm. have access to that. Or people are like, go vegan. And some people are like, but I literally only have canned meat that I can eat right now. Like, and I'm feeling bad. And it's like, okay, we've got to do the best we can with what we have. It's why Mm -hmm. I talk so much about sprouts and broccoli sprouts Literally the cheapest and most potent way to support your hormones through your diet is broccoli sprouts. So a quarter cup of broccoli sprouts, which you can have ready in like three days in your own house. You All you need is paper towels and some seeds off of Amazon. You can mm-hmm. eat a quarter cup a day. And that's the equivalent of like 2.2 pounds of broccoli in terms of the nutritional benefits it's supplying mm-hmm. you. So that's something you can do to help support your body and help support your liver. And what I was saying about protein is if you are going to be a vegan or a vegetarian, my husband was like eighth generation vegetarian before he had to go gluten-free. And then he was like, no, I'm done. <laughs> Too many restrictions. And then he's like, oh, yeah. and I don't have migraines, so I'm going to go gluten-free. This is my yeah. you. Whenever people are like, it's so hard to go gluten-free, I'm like, we used to brew our own beer in Portland and grow our own hops and have a kegerator yeah. in our kitchen. I feel you. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. So with this though, um, what I was going to say is that he was a carpetarian and I just laughed because he's like, the first time he went to make me a meal, he made me like pasta and bread. And I was a vegetarian and I was like, where are the vegetables? vegetables. <laughs> I don't understand. So if you're going to be a vegan or vegetarian and you've got to pay attention to your protein, you've got to be varying your sources so that you're getting complete mm-hmm. amino acids. Very, very important for liver detoxification and optimizing your hormones and also mm-hmm. blood sugar regulation. So that's another issue with the pill is that for some people, they experience insulin uh, sensitivity issues. So their blood sugar can be higher. Blood sugar issues lead to growth hormone issues, lead to acne. So that's another piece is that you've got to be having fat and protein with your meals to support that blood sugar stabilization, adding fiber with your vegetables, um, making sure like if you are someone who is like doing intermittent fasting, like there's nothing wrong with trying these things, but you always have to yeah. ask, is this working for me? Is this true for me? Yep. If you're doing intermittent fasting and you are cranky in the morning and you are angry mm-hmm. and you are like losing it and then you eat and yeah. feel better. You, yeah, it's not for you right now. Don't. Then you need to eat, boo. <laughs> and if, if after lunch you're going to bed, you're taking a nap on your desk, you may need to see a doctor get your blood yeah. sugar tested, or you may look at, is my meal full of carbohydrates, like mm-hmm. simple carbohydrates, and maybe that's bogging down my uh, metabolic. Yeah. And now we've got acne. And this is why mm-hmm. I want everybody to really take away that, like, this is why we have to take a whole system approach to the body. Yeah. And while seeing a dermatologist for your skin is great because they have that expertise, they're not going to have the expertise on your diet, your gut health, and these mm-hmm. other areas. And this is where working with a naturopathic physician or a functional medicine provider can be really beneficial. It's not yeah. nothing. You can still keep your PCP. I still have, you know, I still see a PCP and get my gyne exam. Like, you know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But here's like, the thing is, is that you need someone who's going to look at all of you and isn't looking at, do you have disease? Do you not have disease? And you're in the middle of limbo being like, but I just don't feel right. There's a reason why. Yeah. Let's optimize the system. Yeah. 
I love you so much. <laughs> you're so fantastic. I knew like just from seeing all the content and whatnot that you were putting on Instagram, like you did do a section about food privilege. And I was like, I really appreciate that she's posting about this right now. With my kid um, backing me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so cute. And just like very, it, 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 I, I can totally see where you are taking a very holistic, you know, whole picture approach for people when you work with them and even just for people that like message you things. Um, and I think that's so important to take everything into consideration that it's like usually never just like this one thing that's happening. Um, and I know like throughout med- medical school, like you maybe what have like one course on nutrition, like medical doctors are not trained in nutrition. Um, and so when I do find a doctor that actually finds value in that and understands like how that plays a role, I'm always like, yes, you're great. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's a big difference though with uh, naturopathic medical doctors are like, we have that food as part of our foundation. Mm-hmm. So as we're learning pharmacology, yeah. we're learning about drug food interactions and also nutrient depletion so that you can eat it with diet mm-hmm. and looking at things in a lot of, uh, you know, different lens. And I think just so everybody understands, like, I do think that every, every provider needs a lot more nutrition education so that they have Mm -hmm. respect for it. Um, and yeah, at the same time, like the orthopedic surgeon is best to know what orthopedic surgeons know and to really focus there, but to also refer you to the dietitian, to refer you to the specialist Mm -hmm. in that parent. And that's what we're not seeing enough of. It's fine that like, okay, it's done for some of them. They went, there was Mm -hmm. no education. They may not even have had one course. It's done. But if they can at least understand that you need to write that referral, that there is nobody who doesn't benefit from having additional Mm -hmm. nutrition support, because just like we're not taught about our bodies, we're not taught about diet. Like this is something like the pandemic has offered such a great opportunity. And I'm very hopeful for the generation who's being homeschooled through this is that in recognizing that my son actually witnesses and is present and learns and experiences things that are actually necessary to surviving as a human. Um, That like, yes, we teach the math, we do the reading, we do the things. And yet at Mm -hmm. the same time, I'm like, we need, we actually set up a whole like chore invoicing system. So he understands how to invoice as a contractor and like all, and like getting his own bank account and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I wish someone would have taught me this at seven instead of like in my twenties being like, okay, I'm scared to write a check again. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I was like, how do you write a check? Where does everything go? Like one time someone told me, but oh yeah. 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 Well, dang. I mean, when Naya's older, her and your son, you know, if that's a fit, that that sounds like they'd be a great match. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Playing matchmaker for six and seven year olds right now. Um, thank you so much. I'm like, there's so much more I want to talk to you about and so much more we could get into. Um, I do highly want to recommend your book for people um, and your Instagram and all of the things. Uh, can you share with people a little bit about kind of where they can find you and all of the things? Absolutely. So you can find me at drbrighton.com. D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N.com. So Brighton like the sun. And if you go to drbrighton.com slash hormone kit, you can get the hormone balancing starter kit, which has a meal plan, recipes, non-dogmatic way of eating. It is gluten and dairy free just to make sure that we don't, we can be inclusive of those dietary yeah. needs. And there's also information in there and just understanding your body and your hormones. So you can grab that there. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on TikTok. I love TikTok. Um, yes. And don't <laughs> find me on YouTube educating because I know we all learn differently. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for just like doing all the work that you do. I'm like being a doctor, I can't imagine is like hard enough, let alone like making content in your specialty and all these different platforms too. Like it's a real service. It's a real gift. And like, do you have like a Venmo or PayPal like listed anywhere if people do want to like contribute and like thank you for the content that you are making? I've never even thought about that. So maybe I should. Yeah, you totally should. You are putting in some work and that is some valuable information. Well, thanks. I will consider that. Okay, so maybe I will by the time that this comes out. (laughs) I always say to something like when it comes up and I'm like, okay, I just answered this question with a patient again. I'm just going to go ahead and plug that in. Like that's got to become uh, a piece of content. And I do have a team Mm -hmm. that helps me um, in terms of, well, I'm on Facebook, um, but I'm not really on Facebook. Like I I have a team that helps me out there. If you're on Facebook and you kind of hate me for for not being there, I just, I was an early adopter of Facebook. Like when they opened, I was in college and they opened up to college students. I was like in, that's how we coordinated Mm -hmm. all of our study groups. And, and now I'm just like, every time I go there, I'm like, man, it's just a drag. It's not funny. It's not my jam. It's not my jam. When I found TikTok, I was like, shut up. These people are amazing. Like, Oh my gosh. Like, yes. and yeah, I mean, the, it's a quick swipe if you don't want to see anything. And I just, yeah. I'm like, this is better than Netflix. And the number of talented people who have not been getting props out there is like, I'm like, yeah, sorry, Netflix. I still think you're cool, but, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although you can't subscribe to the teenage witch. So I don't know if we could be friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just being funny now. Oh my goodness. You are so fantastic. I really hope we have you on here again. Um, And, you know, if the episode airs by the time that you have a Venmo or PayPal or something listed, I will definitely put that in the episode notes for people to check out. Um, So yeah, I super appreciate everything that you are doing and it is so, so, so valuable. So thank you again so much for coming on today. Thank you. Well, have a great day and thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right? And, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. Hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, try giving my podcast, Miraculous Mamas, a listen. Miraculous Mamas is a safe and inclusive place for you to find a huge amount of educational and relatable information about childbirth and parenting with absolutely everything in between. Each week we discuss important topics, share great resources, hear from experts, and listen to birth stories, all in an effort to bring you reassuring and informative experiences so that you know that you are not alone. That's all on Miraculous Mamas podcast. Look for the podcast link in the show notes or simply search for Miraculous Mamas on your podcast app. Yeah. 
When you download the Kroger app, you have easy access to savings every day. Shop weekly sales and get personalized coupons to get the most value out of every trip, every time, whether you shop in-store or online. Download the Kroger app now to save big. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 